This morning, I want to continue our conversation on rhythms. We're talking about the first rhythm today. Uh, It's crucially important if we're going to develop rhythms that help us to follow God, to grow closer to Him, and to experience Him more fully. Now, we've talked about some of this previously using different language, like habits or disciplines. And the reason we're calling it rhythms is because I found people get really overwhelmed when we say, you need to add these disciplines to your life, as in, take all the things you're doing, including dealing with COVID, and now if you're going to be a good Christian, you need to do this and this and this and this and this. It becomes really overwhelming and, and becomes often legalistic, like, I have to do this, Or I'm a failure, or I have to do this, or God's mad at me. And that's really not what these practices are about. They are really an invitation to experience God more fully. Now, I I believe so much in in these rhythms that uh, we're going to begin packaging these in a different way that we can talk about every person that comes into journey. This is what it means to follow God. This is how you begin to do this. And as you practice these rhythms... What you're going to find is is that the world opens up and your perspective begins to change and all of a sudden you begin to see God in ways you didn't before. You begin to hear him in ways you didn't before and you begin to know where he's leading you to in ways that you didn't before. It's so really crucial to develop these rhythms. But like other rhythms in your life, whether it's going to the gym or whether it's um, your Sabbath or whatever your morning routine is, whatever rhythms you've already have in your life, the rhythms of following God, we incorporate. And if one day we practice and the next day we don't, we're not failures and God's not mad at us, but it's a rhythm. We're going to return to it the following day or the following week. It's not something that if we forget to read scripture, we, we didn't read scripture for whatever reason today, that that means we just give up. The, the streak is over. Uh, Instead, reading scripture is going to be a part of the rhythm of our lives, the same as praying, the same as gathering, the same as finding silence and solitude. And today's rhythm is the rhythm of guidance. Now, we're starting with guidance as our first rhythm because it's really the umbrella for which all other rhythms fall. Now, as all of these other ribbons, rip, excuse me, rhythms fall under the rhythm of guidance, it's important to understand what it is. And, and if I were to put it in a nutshell, the rhythm of guidance simply means that you have found a guide that is going to help you get to where you want to go in your life. Now, for Christians, uh, there are many places we want to go in our life. We want to have good careers. We want to retire. We want to you know, be comfortable and happy and all those things. But as Christians, we have found something that is more valuable than all of those. We have found the pearl of great price, the one who gave his life for us so that we could return to the place that God had intended for us to be from the very beginning. It's important for us to understand that rhythms are really only effective and desirable, honestly, For those people who say, God is so good, I want to spend time with him. I want to know him. I want him to guide me. So the rhythm of guidance is is literally uh, the rhythm uh, in your life of letting God guide you. Now this idea of guidance is everywhere. We all have different guides within our lives. In fact, if you watch any really great movie, read any great work of literature, you're going to find a very similar story pattern in most every film, every book, every story 
that you've ever heard. And if it's missing this component, it's probably not uh, going to be a great story. It's probably not going to fare well on Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, it's probably not something you're going to want to go back to again. See, in every story, there is a hero. There is somebody we identify with. And this hero wants something, or this hero needs something. In our stories, the hero is generally us. And there is a place that we want to go, but there are obstacles in front of us. There are obstacles we can't overcome. We don't know how to get around them or over them or through them until a very important person enters into the story, and that is the guide. Now, the guide has been there before. The guide understands what you're going through. The guide is the one who can say, okay, I see where you are, and I'm going to help you get to where you want to go. Now, one of the very first movies I remember watching as a kid was probably many in my generation was Star Wars. Now, the hero of the story it was sometimes hard to determine. There are so many heroes, and that's one of the reasons Star Wars was such, such a, a huge um, success is we had so many heroes of that story, but really the primary hero hero uh, was Luke Skywalker, and Luke was stranded on this planet. He felt like he didn't have any purpose, but he yearned to be among the stars. He had no way of getting off the planet. His, his family wasn't wealthy, um, and he just felt within him there was more, and he needed to experience more. Now, shortly into the first movie, the first Star Wars movie. He meets a guide, and you already know who it is. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi, or Ben Kenobi, as we come to know him in the prequels. Obi-Wan has been there before. He's flown through the stars. He's a Jedi that has fought in incredible battles around the galaxy, and he begins to train Luke. He becomes his guide. These obstacles that he can't overcome, all of a sudden Obi-Wan is there to say, yes, you can overcome these obstacles. Now, as the story follows through and we jump back to the prequels, we have another primary character, which was Luke's dad, we come to find out. His name was Anakin. And that story is one in which Anakin uh, was a young boy and he didn't fit and he wanted more out of life. Uh, ben Kenobi, a young Ben Kenobi, finds him and brings him to the Jedi Council and says, we should train him. The Jedi Council says, no, he's too old. Uh, you're, we're not going to train him. Bad things happen when you train somebody who's this old. And yet what we find is that they allow him to become Anakin's guide. And for the first movie and a half or two movies of the prequel, we think that Ben Kenobi is Anakin's guide. But it's the third of the prequels that we find, you know what? Ben Kenobi wasn't the guide. The emperor was. And instead of taking the direction of, of good and protecting and uh, helping people in the world through the force, he follows his guide, the emperor, to the dark side. And you know the rest of the story. Every story has a guide in it. Every good story has a guide in it. Guides are things that take us uh, places that we would never be able to go on our own. I, I remember many years ago I was pastoring a church and uh, we had a man in the church. Uh, he was just, he loved to fish. He was retired. And so that's what he did every single day. He would go out and he would fish on the Tennessee River. And sometimes he would take me with him. Now, I should just tell you up front, I like to catch. I don't like to fish. Uh, whenever I take my boys out, I go and we fish, right? We sit and we hang out and we visit and we talk. 
uh, but we don't do a whole lot of catching. But when I went with my friend years ago, he would take me out. He knew where all the spots were. We would get in his boat and he would go straight to his spots and he knew the spots where no one else would be at. And we would go and just one right after the other, we would pull them in the boat. It was not unusual to catch over a hundred fish in, in, a, in, in a day. Uh, after a few of these, we would go back to his house and uh, he would clean them and we would cook them and invite a bunch of people over and have this big fish fry. It was so much fun. I would never have been able to catch fish like that had I not had a guide. I had obstacles in my way. I was not able, I don't know where the fish are. I'm not even good at catching fish. I can string a hook and put a worm on a hook and I can throw it in the water, but I, I don't know if any fish are there, but he did. If I ever have the opportunity to go on an African safari, you better believe I'm going to hire a guide. Now, I bet I could probably get a flight to Africa. I could probably book a hotel. I could rent a truck and I could drive out and, and look for all kinds of wildlife and different things um, throughout Africa. And there's also a good chance if I do that, I won't see anything or I won't ever return. I would hire a guide. Someone who knows the terrain, knows where the animals are, knows how to handle the animals so you don't get gored or eaten, right? Guides are really crucially important to take us from where we are to where we want to go. The rhythm of guidance is developing the rhythm of allowing God to guide you, which means God wants to guide you. The rhythm of guidance is all about finding the right guide and following him to the place you really want to go. Now, sometimes uh, we give up on this rhythm, even though we don't have a name for it. We give up on it because at times we feel like God's not taking us where we want to go. One of the crucial understandings of letting God be our guide is God doesn't just take us where we want to go. God takes us where he wants us to go. Now, if we have found that God is the pearl of great price, he is the thing that is most valued in all the world, then typically we want to go where he wants us to go. And sometimes we give up on this rhythm before we even give it a chance because really we're not looking to go where God wants us to go. Really, we're looking to get God to take us where we want to go. And I want you to know right now, right in the very beginning with all of these rhythms, they cannot be manipulated to get God to do what we want him to do. They are about us becoming the people that are able to follow him. And he takes us places we would never be able to go without him. The rhythm of guidance is crucially important. And there are two primary components that you can follow. You can hear God's voice. And you can obey God's word. Now, I don't have any slides behind me. So if you'd like to follow on version, all the things I'm sharing with you, you can find there. You can follow along. You can take notes. And you can uh, email them to yourself or to others. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says this about our ability to hear from him. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Oh, what a beautiful picture of being able to hear from Jesus. He says, you will be able to hear my voice. Now, there are some that believe the only way to hear from God is by reading the Bible, which I just think is, is absolute nonsense. The New Testament tells us, Jesus himself tells us that we will hear from him. 
I think one of the reasons that we've developed this theology that the only way to hear from God is by reading his Bible is because so many people have given up on actually hearing from God. And if that's the case, it's because they probably haven't developed this rhythm of allowing God to guide them. So they give up. It's just easier to read a book, take it literally and force it and put it on other people rather than say, God, what what is it that you have for me today? In John chapter 16, Jesus talks about how this is possible. And so if you're one of those that's struggling with the idea that God can speak to you outside of just reading scripture, just listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 16. And these words that he's saying, he has just uh, talked to his apostles about the fact that he's going to be going away and he is the true vine and if they're going to have life and they're going to produce fruit they've got to be grafted into him he actually brings life to us and allows us to bear fruit he then tells them this thing that no great leader would ever tell their followers and that is if you follow me the whole world is going to hate you <laughs> that's pretty demotivating and yet they were so captivated by jesus they they couldn't stop following him he then begins to tell them how this is going to be possible and how they're going to follow him in John chapter 16. And he, he talks about the Holy Spirit. And he says, I did not say these things, these things about being grafted into the vine, these things about the fact that the world's going to hate you because they hated Jesus first. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. In other words, I've been here. I'm going away and I'm not going to be able to communicate with you the way I have before. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. In other words, if I don't go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come. And when he comes, he's going to speak to you. Initially, he's going to convict you that I'm good, and that you should follow me, and you should uh, choose another way of navigating this life than simply the way the world does. It's going to convict you about sin, which, as we talked about a few weeks ago, sin is ultimately, if we boil it down to its smallest little pieces, is when we choose not to love, honor, and respect God or love, honor, and respect each other. That is what sin is. If we go back and look at the Ten Commandments or any of the law in the Old Testament, then we're going to find that when Jesus said, all of the law is wrapped up in loving God and loving people. What he's saying is, when we sin, we are refusing to give God and others the love, honor, and respect they are due. God because he is God, others because they are image bearers of God. He's saying, I have to go away, but the Holy Spirit will convict you. If you have found the pearl of great price, if you have found that Jesus is the ultimate thing uh, to have within your life, to know him and to follow him, then you have come to the place uh, that the Holy Spirit has convicted you and you believe what Jesus says is good. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you're a Christian, you have already experienced what Jesus just uh, told his apostles would happen. 
He goes on in verse 12. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he speaks, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, which literally means to show honor, love and respect. He's going to show love, honor and respect to me because, again, that's our calling for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, as we wrap all of this up, it's just it's hard to believe that Jesus was only saying this to the apostles. In other words, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit who's going to declare to you all of the mysteries of God. He's going to declare you all truth. There are those that believe only the apostles got this promise. And yet we know that other people who were not the apostles, who never wrote a, a piece of scripture at all, also received the Holy Spirit because the apostles went and prayed over them in different parts of, of the known world at the time and they came to experience the Holy Spirit. It's something we get to experience today in which the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. Now, it's important to say right off the bat because there are lots of different beliefs about um, the role of God speaking through the Holy Spirit versus Scripture versus all these other things. I do believe Scripture is vitally important. The, God will never contradict what he has told us in his word. If we feel that God is saying one thing and it's contrary to what God has said already in his word, then we can know that that is not God who is speaking. Part of the rhythm of guidance is developing the ability to hear over time, the ability to practice this over time. If you are a follower of Jesus, I cannot stress this enough. If you are a follower of Jesus and your desire is that he will guide you to the place he wants you to go, then you have the Holy Spirit within you. You have this spirit within you that is going to speak to you and reveal to you as Jesus was revealing to his apostles. Now, I will tell you, I have never in my life experienced a moment where Jesus was in front of me visibly and audibly spoke to me. But there are things that I have felt so strongly in my spirit that it could have been as if he was in the room with me. This is one of the most rewarding and encouraging things that a Christian can experience. To know that God through the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in that moment. Now some of you may already be thinking, well I have prayed that God would speak to me. I've been struggling with something and God has never answered me. Or, or maybe it's someone who's sick with COVID. Or maybe it's a life decision you wish you had made and you didn't and you would do anything to go back. Maybe it's just the fact that you feel afraid and you want him to give you encouragement. Or maybe you're just looking for what is the next step in my life and I don't know what it's supposed to be. What should I do? God, I just want you to tell me. It's very often times that we become desperate to hear from God. And the reality is, is we cannot be in control of when God speaks to us. I do think it's important that in the rhythm of guidance, we are looking to let God take us where he wants to take us. And it's not just getting him to take us where we want him to take us. See, that's a, there's a big difference between those two. So there are lots of 
reasons people struggle with hearing from God. And I, I do want to share with you what I I believe are some important ways to develop this rhythm within your life. But one, a really important one is I often have prayed in the past, God, I so want to hear what you think about this, that would you just hit me over the head with a two by four? In other words, make this so obvious, make it just like you are in the room so I can be absolutely confident and sure that what I think you're saying is exactly what you're saying. I have prayed that so many times, just like every other believer that I know of. One of the stories, and we saw this in the video at the beginning of our service this morning, is the story of Elijah in which Elijah was desperate to hear from God. He was desperate to hear from God. He was perhaps uh, the most known prophet of all the prophets of the Old Testament. He performed incredible miracles. He was known everywhere, but he was living in a time in which the nation of Israel had completely turned away from God. They had completely turned away, and they didn't want to have anything to do with the prophets because God was saying, listen, you need to come back or there's going to be a judgment. And so they just they began killing all the prophets, and they were coming for Elijah. So Elijah ran. You find the story in 1 Kings. I wrote a blog about it this week. If you want to go to our website, you can read a little more about it there. It's really an incredible story. And he runs from... He, he runs from the people that are trying to do him harm. And he says, God, I need to hear from you. And God says, go to the mountain. Go to the mountain and wait for me and I will come to you. And so he goes. And there's this incredible storm, this wind that kicks up. And it, it's so strong. It must have been some kind of a tornado or, or something. The, the wind was so strong, Scripture says, that the rocks were broken up by it. But... God was not in that storm. Then there was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. Then there was a fire, but God was not in the fire. In other words, God is usually not in the two before to the side of the head like we wish it was. Instead, he finally experienced God and God came to him as a small whisper. See, when we pray for guidance, many times when he speaks, it is not loud. You have to develop a practice of hearing. We read in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. This is the picture not of God busting in the door of your heart, forcing you to follow his commands and follow the places that he wants to take you. Instead, it's this picture of him just standing at the door knocking and will we let him in? It's that still quiet voice. It's the one that we easily miss because of the distractions of life or busyness or you know what? God's important to me, but you know what else is important to me? This other thing. I mean, I want God, but I want this other thing too. God never forces himself on us, but he has so much to share with you. See, Jesus, what Jesus said in John chapter 16 is that this Holy Spirit that you have, if you're a follower of Jesus, this Holy Spirit is going to declare all truth to you. God is going to say things to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to say them to you, just as God said things to Jesus and then Jesus said them to his apostles. This is a promise of Jesus himself. 
that you can hear from him. So why don't we hear at times? Sometimes like Elijah, we're looking for him in the obvious places, but Jesus is in the places that are quiet and require us to be still and to listen. One of the rhythms we're going to talk about in a few weeks is the rhythm of silence and solitude. And uh, it's crucially important. Dallas Willard says that there is no other rhythm more important to transformation than silence and solitude. It is one of the ways in which we quiet all of the distractions of life around us so that we can tune into that quiet whisper just as Elijah had to tune into that quiet whisper. Sometimes we're listening for the wrong things. Sometimes we don't want to hear because we don't like what we hear. Like you shouldn't do that. We don't like that. We're a people who we love in our culture, our personal freedoms. We love to be able to do what we want, and we don't want anyone to tell us what we're supposed to do. But Paul says, I am a slave to Christ. And I don't feel that I have freedoms apart from Christ. Every freedom I have, I have because of Christ. But so many times in a very individualistic culture, we feel that our way is the way. We are so used to the world revolving around us that we aren't really interested in where God wants to take us. We're only interested in where we want God to take us. And when we begin to fall into that pattern, then we are not ever going to hear from God. We tend to believe at times that communicating with God is one-sided because we pray and we ask and we sometimes feel that God is absent or Jesus isn't listening. And the reality is, is that prayer isn't just one-sided. But is your time of prayer one-sided? We'll talk about contemplation and studying meditation and prayer. We'll talk about all of that as a biblical rhythm to be able to hear God's voice. But in your times of prayer, and I have to ask myself this, I will catch myself like I'm, I don't ever listen. <laughs> I, I just, I'm giving God my list and I got to move on and to do and, and work my list sometimes because I'm not, maybe God's not going to work on it. So I'll just go do it. But prayer is meant to be a two-way conversation. It's not meant to be simply we bring our petitions to God. We are called that we are instructed to bring our petitions to God, but we are also called to hear from Him. Prayer is a two-way process. Do you take time when you pray just to be still and quiet and to listen? Now, oftentimes when I do that, uh, God does speak through his word. As I said before, we, we never are going to hear from God that contradicts his word. But one of the reasons that we take in lots of scripture and we learn it and we memorize it and we read the whole Bible front to back is because many times when God speaks, it's just to bring his word to your mind. It's like, I don't really, you don't need me to, sh to show up in a lightning bolt in front of you and tell you the answer to this. I've already given it to you in my word. Many times when I read and when I pray and I'm quiet and I'm asking for an answer, scripture comes to mind. It's like, oh, well, that's so clear. That's exactly what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes we just pray one way and God wants us to interact with him, to engage with him, to experience him more fully. We also need to understand that God is less concerned with you 
um, knowing what he thinks about every single thing you do. As, when I was growing up as a teenager, kind of in this movement where, uh, I, I don't know, it wasn't a movement, but I just were, I would go to some youth events and things in which it was, sometimes the speakers would try to out-spiritualize each other. And um, this topic is such a, a broad topic, hearing from God. We talk about it, everybody's interested in it all the time. Um, but I remember hearing one speaker in particular say something to the effect of, you know, you should pray about what you wear that day. God really cares about every part of you. And God does care about every part of you. But does God really care what I wore today? Well, maybe he cares if it's inappropriate. <laughs> you know, that's, I'm sending the wrong message. Um, so maybe he cares about that. But I really don't think that God cares that I have this shirt on today versus I could have worn a blue shirt or a black shirt or a yellow shirt. I, I don't really think God's like, you know what, Mark? This sermon would have been so much better had you worn a different shirt. And now maybe you feel that way. Maybe you don't like this color, but I really don't think that's how God works. When we think about God guiding us, kind of the Obi-Wan for Luke or the emperor, which is not a good example, for Anakin or my friend who took me fishing. When we think about the guide, we have to think about where are they taking us. When I went fishing with my friend, he was taking us to the fish so that we could catch and not fish. Where does God want to take us? And there are times that God absolutely intervenes in a moment to help you and to give you peace and confidence and an action. But we ultimately have to understand God is not taking us to the place where he tells us how to take every single step and then we go take that step. Although there's a part of that. Instead, there's a bigger picture God is bringing us to. And if you remember, you know, I, one of my pet peeves is destiny talk among preachers. God wants to give you your destiny as if your destiny was your choice. You don't have a choice in your destiny. Did you know that? Your destiny is to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so God is more concerned with moving you along the journey of your life to that place than answering every question along the way. He's interested, and sometimes silence is the way he moves us to the place of becoming more like Christ. God wants to direct you along the way of your life. And remember, that way is to love God with our hearts, our soul, our minds, our strength, and to love each other as we love ourselves. This idea of submitting to where God wants to take us is why I believe Richard Foster, who wrote Celebration of Discipline decades ago, said this. He said, guidance is the most radical of the disciplines because it goes to the heart of the matter of walking with God. Guidance means the glorious life of hearing God's voice and obeying his words. When we boil right down to it, if you are following Christ, guess what? You are not leading. You are following this requires an act of submission to say, you know what, I have an idea of where I want to go. But we submit and say, I will go where you want me to go because I believe that where you want to take me is better than where I would choose for myself. God has an invested interest in where you go in your life and he wants to be with you every step of the way if you will let him. But remember, he doesn't force us. He's knocking on the door. He's that still, quiet voice. It's easy to miss. We can easily walk away. 
But if we're going to follow him and we're going to follow his guidance, it's radical because we submit and we submit in a culture, us right now, to this in this day and in this place, we resist submission to any authority. And yet we cannot follow Jesus unless we completely submit all authority to him. This is where he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. See, here today, a lot of times, we're not really interested in picking up a cross. We're interested in God making sure we never have a cross anywhere around us. We don't want any suffering, any hardship. We want things to go our way, every way. And if God doesn't make that happen, well, I'm just not sure I want to believe in him anymore. A still, quiet voice who's inviting us but not forcing us. Guidance is less about what you should do right now than conforming to the image of Christ all along the way. And many times I have found that when God speaks, it's not just when I ask him, but God speaks in a way to interrupt what's going on in my life, to stop me in my tracks, to throw an obstacle in the path that will not allow me to keep going the direction I'm going, but make me go somewhere else. And you can you imagine if God sees you going somewhere and he puts an obstacle there so you'll go a better way, and then you begin praying, God, remove this obstacle because I'm trying to go this way. And God is, would be saying to you if he was right beside you, but I put that obstacle there so you wouldn't keep going that way. One of the reasons sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers is because he knows if he answers that prayer in the way that we are asking, it will take us to a place that he knows is not good. And so he either says no or he just seems silent at times. When we talk about silence, though silence and solitude is a little different than silence from God, uh, there are times that we will pray and we will earnestly seek him and there will be periods of silence. Sometimes silence is as big of a communication as, some, as a loud voice. God wants to interrupt our plans because he wants to guide us. Now, some of the ways, and we'll talk about these in different rhythms over the next few weeks that God speaks to us. Some of the ways are uh, scripture. It's the number one way God speaks to us. It is not the only way, but it is the number one way that God speaks to us. If we are not reading scripture, why would we think God would speak to us separately? We read scripture not because we have to. We read scripture not because somebody said we were supposed to. We don't read scripture because if we don't, we may not get into heaven. We read scripture because we love God and we want to know what he has to say. Can you imagine finding the love of your life? And for whatever reason, you're separated and they write you a love letter. What are you going to do when you go to the mailbox or the post office to get that love letter? Are you going to go, huh, I'll get around to reading that sometime. Well, of course not. Like you're probably going to be standing in front of your mailbox or standing in front of your post office box and you're going to rip it open and you're going to pull it out and you're going to stand there and read it right away because this is the love of your life you want to hear from them. So many times when our Bibles are never opened, it's really more an indication of how we feel about God. Not because if we were good Christians, we would read our Bible, but because if we loved God, we would want to know what he has to say. The scripture reading is absolutely a, a, a practice, and that's going to be our practice we're going to focus on this week. But there are other ways God speaks. As we read in John chapter 16, the Holy Spirit. There's a, 
a way God speaks that has been, uh, the, the term has been coined divine guidance. And basically what divine guidance means is like God interrupts your life to move you in a specific direction. You know, maybe it's an unexpected losing your job. Maybe it's an unexpected pandemic, right? Maybe it's, um, you know, something go, your boyfriend or girlfriend break up with you, or I don't know, or all of a sudden you have to, your job requires you to move to a new town and, there are times that there's divine guidance that like your circumstances just change and there's no explanation and there you don't really necessarily understand why and there's you don't have jesus standing right there saying okay now this is what's happening and this is why but instead he just is kind of divinely guiding you somewhere and sometimes they feel great and sometimes they don't feel great divine guidance is another way he speaks one that we have to be very careful about, but is absolutely true. God often speaks through our reason. You bear the image of God. There are different ways we bear the image of God. One of the ones that I think is most obvious is when someone is just really creative. If you go downtown, you see the murals, uh, you see the sculptures, you just look at someone who's creative, a musician, an author, and you think, wow, they are just gifted. They are so creative. That absolutely is bearing the image of God. Even if someone doesn't want to have anything to do with God, they still bear his image. I, I just think that's a, a beautiful way for that to happen. But there's also, uh, we have an, a, an intellect and a logic and a reason. We have the ability to reason. We're not as good at God as God at reasoning. In fact, Scripture says, you know, our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. But we still have the ability to think and to reason. And sometimes that means that we take God's word and we try to understand it and we try to apply it. Or we look at the experiences we've had and what we've learned about God. And it seems that God is moving me in this direction. We can use reason. Now, we have to be careful that when we use reason, we're trying to understand God. We're not trying to figure out what we want for ourselves, which is how it devolves really quickly. But another one that we're going to talk about is sometimes God speaks through other believers, through a church community, through your friends, through mentors, through people that they've been where you are now and they've grown through it. They can be your guide and help you get from where you are to where you're going. It's that's why it's important that we surround ourselves with people who are serious about their faith and they are growing and they can help us grow. It doesn't mean that we don't have relationships with people who aren't as mature in their faith or that we don't spend time with people who aren't believers. I, Jesus spent time with people who, who didn't want to follow him all the time and he instructs us to do the same. But you do need to have important people in your inner circle that can help you grow, help you learn, help you understand and interpret. Let me give you just a few things and then we're going to close today on how do you practice this rhythm, the rhythm of guidance. And if you're following on version, all of these are there. Um, you can also see the link to version in the description of the video that you're watching. Um, and uh, you can just follow along and, and find all those there if you want, if you can't remember these. Or you can write them down as I'm talking. Um, if you're going to practice guidance, the very first thing you have to do and, and this is something that is going to be an ongoing practice for you, is number one, you have to absorb the Bible. You have to absorb the Bible. Like you have to read it. You have to take it in. In the Old Testament, they talked about absorbing the Bible, the Bible in the sense of, you know, put it in a little box and tie it around your head and, and wear it as tassels around your garment. Everywhere you go, take it with you. Just be absorbed 
in what they understood as Scripture at the time, which was the Torah. For us, we have Scripture in any number of ways that we can take it in. We can read it. We can have it read to us through Audible or through some other uh, tool. We can watch uh, videos. We can, you know, The Chosen is, is a really fantastic um, cinematographic uh, presentation of the gospel right now that's, that's out. I think they're in season two or three. I don't even know what season they're in right now. But it's a beautiful way you can watch God's word kind of come to life. But reading it, taking it in, and reading it from cover to cover. When I first became a believer, I thought, well, I just need to know the New Testament because that's what's about Jesus and that's what matters. And Jesus is the new covenant and the old covenant doesn't matter. Except Jesus actually said the opposite. He said, the new covenant I'm making with you in my blood is a fulfillment of the old covenant. And so if you want to understand the new covenant, you've got to understand the old covenant too. So reading all of Scripture. It doesn't mean you've got to memorize the whole Bible. You you know, sometimes a, a, something on Facebook or YouTube will come across my screen and somebody has memorized an entire book of the Bible and they can just read the... I think that is an incredible discipline for you to develop. But it's not just about memorizing Scripture. When I was in high school, a friend of mine uh, was a self-proclaimed atheist um, and he was a friend and we would spend time together. We enjoyed spending time together. He and some other friends who also were Christians and and so he would talk to us about our faith. And interestingly, one day he had gone out and just said, well, you know what? I went out and bought a Bible <laughs> and I just wanted to read it for myself. And he read the whole thing and it, it did not change his opinion. He decided, I thought that was interesting, but he went and read it all. You know, we need to be familiar with God's word. We need to be familiar with what it says. And sometimes we just need to go back and we need to read it. Even if we don't memorize it all, be aware that it's there. And as I've said before, many times when I'm praying and asking God for an answer, he brings that scripture back to mind. But many times I don't even have to pray about it because I know because this is what God said in his word. There's no debate. I don't need to ask him if he's changed his mind. This is still true. But absorbing the Bible now, it's more than just growing in knowledge like my atheist friend who now he knew a lot about the Bible. You should be growing in your pursuit of guidance and letting God guide you. And so just reading it, a lot of people know a lot of Bible, but they aren't allowing God to guide them. The difference in guiding them comes in our second way of practicing guidance, and that is that when there is a clear action step, take it. Take it. When I, when I was growing up uh, and I became a believer, I, I really got serious about my faith when I was about 15. And, you know, I would, it, when you're 15, that's a time when, like, your parents know the least, you think. <laughs> like, they don't know anything about the world whenever you're 15. And you just kind of feel like you need to just do your own thing. Um, but I remember thinking, well, gosh, I'm supposed to honor my father and mother. Hmm. How do I do that in this moment? Now, I'd be lying to you, and my parents would absolutely tell you, yeah, Mark didn't do a great job of honoring us all the time, but, but I honored them a lot more than I would have had I not known what God said about how I should treat my parents. And so I learned to honor them. There are times when we just don't really have to ask the question, like, um, wow, that I, that thing that they have on their desk, I really like that over there, and I would really like to have that, and they're not even there right now. I mean, I could have it. 
God, should I take that thing that's just sitting there out? It's not mine, but I mean, they're not even there. They would never know. My testimony would be pure before them. They would never know I took it. Would it be okay if I took that and I had it because I really want it? Well, no, you don't have to even pray that because we know God says, well, don't steal. <laughs> so we have to begin taking in lots of scripture. But whenever we come to a place that says, this is what you should do, then you should do it. And interestingly, most people fail at that place. James says it this way. James says, we should not just be hearers of the word, but we should be doers of the word. Like if we believe this stuff, it's really real, then it should cause us to act. Submission really is the most important quality in following God and hearing his voice. If you're only interested in hearing from God to validate what you want him to say or to manipulate him into doing what you want him to do, you're probably never going to hear from him because it takes a submissive heart. This is that radical part that most people are not ever going to be okay with being submissive and saying, God, not my way, but your way. It really is important. So one of the huge disconnects that people don't hear from God's voice is because there's a clear action step, but they did not take it. A third practice in practicing guidance is to set aside time to be quiet and to pray. This is the time in which we are speaking to God. We are showing him love, honor, and respect. We are building our relationship with him. But take time to be quiet and see if he has anything to say to you. He can speak to you through his word. He can speak to you through a quiet moment. There are so many ways God can speak to you. He can speak to you through others. The fourth thing is that you can find a mentor that can help you discern what God might be saying to you. In other words, find someone who's farther down the journey of faith than you are and go talk to them. We can do this in small groups. We can do this one-on-one. -on -one. You can ask somebody to coffee or come over and have a meal or, or whatever. Or maybe, maybe by Zoom right now as COVID is so strong again. But find somebody that can be a mentor that can help you discern what God might be saying to you. It doesn't mean that they can speak for God, but they may be able to help you hear from God in a way that you wouldn't before. And then the fifth thing is I would encourage you to journal what you experience and that you hear so that you can, be, so you can remember and that you can be more confident. There are many ways to journal. I mean, you can do a voice memo. You can do um, speech to text. Uh, you can do it on a phone or an iPad or a laptop. Or maybe you're old school and you like to write on, on a pad and you want to just keep these journals. This is a great practice for you to see how God has guided you. And you can often look back and see a pattern of where God is taking you. But you can also remember in the moments when God seems silent, but God wasn't silent in any of these other moments. So something's different right now. It gives us trust and hope and confidence. So if you were going to do, if you're going to begin the process of trying to practice guidance, you start with absorbing the Bible, reading it, taking it in. And even if you finish a time of reading and you don't feel like there's an action step, that's okay. You're still taking it in and it might be something that you use later. Absorb the Bible. When there's a clear action step, take it. Set aside time to be quiet and, and pray. Find someone that's been farther down the road than you are and help them um, Help them, let them help you discern what God might be saying to you and journal whenever you hear from God or in any of these quiet moments so that you can see a pattern of God working in your life that trusts you that God is going to continue. 
that you trust him that God's going to continue to work in your life. Now, some of you, depending on your backgrounds, might be asking, well, what about some of the more um, exciting ways that God speaks? Because the Bible does talk about signs, visions, dreams, angels, different ways God speaks to us in really supernatural ways. And I do believe God still speaks that way. We hear from missionaries all over the world, especially in developing countries that are resistant to the gospel and that there are few believers in those countries. We hear from many missionaries that say they had a dream or a vision about Jesus that led them to me and I got to lead them to the Lord. The, the reason that we're not going to focus on signs, visions, dreams, and things like that is simply this, because those are supernatural things that God chooses to do in a moment. They are generally very rare, and we have no control. You will never develop a rhythm in order to have a vision. Either God chooses to give you a vision, or he does not. Either God chooses to give you a dream, or he does not. Either God gives you a sign, or he does not. And the signs are one that, oh man, we get in so much trouble about signs. Like everything's a sign. Like every, you know, a caterpillar flew, you know, walked across my windshield. So I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. You know, we come up with crazy signs. When God gives a sign, it is undeniable. And when he gives that sign, it's he's because he's chosen to do that in that moment. Now, I hope that as we're closing out today, that this is a practice you'll begin to develop. And this will be something that will become... Um, important to you every day this week i want to help you on the the first step which is absorbing the bible because starting tomorrow morning i'm going to post um, a different scripture that's going to be talking about guidance from the bible Um, i'm going to post a different scripture each day over the next seven days and i just encourage you to read that if you're doing another reading plan you can do both if you want to suspend your reading plan and you want to um you know, just do the, the scriptures that I'm going to recommend, and you can do that. Tomorrow's is going to be Hebrew 11, and Hebrews 11, and that is about our foundation of faith. Our guidance is so crucially important to us because you and I, we need to hear from God. This week, our, our elders, we've had many texts and phone calls this week trying to figure out what we're going to do about this COVID because every, uh, every single one of us is like, I'm just sick that we're back to this place that we have to have this conversation about should we be online only. I'm, we're just sick of this conversation. We have needed God to guide us through this. We have needed to, to pray and to ask God to show us what the, the right wise answer is. What is the loving thing to do here? We need guidance. As we're still coming out of the pandemic, we're still trying to determine exactly where God's wanting us to go and and not where he wants us to go. We know where he wants us to go. We're still trying to determine exactly how he wants us to get there. And in this changing climate, in this changing environment, how do we best demonstrate the beauty of God to our community? We need God to guide us. If you're a leader in any part of the church, you need God to guide you as a leader. A lot of times you look to somebody else, the elders or the pastor or someone who's done your role before. But as a leader in the church, you need to be first and foremost guided by God. If you're responsible for other people, maybe you own a business or you're an employer, maybe you you are a supervisor, manager, whatever, you need to be guided so that you provide good guidance for those who are following you as a leader. We all need guidance. I have found that while this has been a hard year and a half, I talk to so many other people that it's been way harder for them. And, and not because of 
they've gotten COVID just because the stress and the anxiety and the fear. I really believe God has spared us from a lot of that and we've had the opportunity to really have some wonderful moments together as a family. I believe it's because of these practices that are a part of my life. These rhythms have have helped me to get through. It does not mean that this has not been a hard year and a half, but for different reasons. You need to develop a rhythm of guidance if you want to hear from God. Ultimately, if you want to go to the place where he wants you to go, and if he is the pearl of great price, that is the place we want to be. There is a place he's taking you. He is intricately involved in every aspect of your life. He knows everything about you, every hurt, every pain, every fear. Scripture tells us he knows every every hair that's on your head. He knows you even better than you know yourself. He loves you. He sees you. Even if you're in a moment of silence right now, that's, that moment of silence won't last forever. God, in, he intimately loves you. He sees you as one of his children. Jesus says, you are my brothers and sisters. You are vitally important to him. He wants to speak with you. Let's develop a rhythm of allowing him to guide it so we can hear him fully. I want to pray with you and we're going to close. Uh, I will let you know this week uh, what we're doing next weekend. Right now we're planning to be in person. If that changes for some reason, then we will let you know. Um, I pray that you would continue to be patient. I know like with with me, uh, the fact that we're even having this conversation, it just kind of brings all the baggage from the last year and just kind of dumps it back at our door again. Be patient. Be confident. God is still working. This is for a short period of time. And we are going to continue to move forward as a faith community. We're going to continue to move forward to bless our community. We're going to continue to move forward in becoming closer in our relationship with God. Would you pray with me? Father, God, I pray that you would Allow us to hear. Jesus said over and over and over again, those who have eyes to see, let them see. But those who have ears to hear, let them hear. I pray that you would give us ears to hear. I believe your way is good and the place you want to take us is good. And Father, I pray that as we move forward and and trying to follow your lead, that you would allow us to see where you want us to go. I pray that your word would be planted firmly within our hearts and that we would be not only confident but committed to taking action steps when you tell us to move that we do move i pray for those that are in a moment of quiet right now that you would speak to their hearts and you would uh, let them know that hey I, i may be quiet for a moment but i'm here i'm with you you are important to me i'm not giving up on you and father i pray that we as a church we would be able to follow your lead well you are our guide. We have so many obstacles in front of us, but you know the way to go, and you are going to take us that way. Father, we thank you for that. I thank you for your love. I thank you that you are valuable and worthy to be the pearl of great price in our lives. You're more valuable than anything else we could possibly have. And I thank you that you are alive and well and involved with us. Thank you for your love. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great week. I'll be in touch. And tomorrow morning, be looking on social media uh, for the verse of the day. And let's spend time practicing guidance together.